Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Happy Thursday. Um, we're approaching the weekend. We're getting there. But of course, Arsenal aren't in action this weekend. And although I knew that, it kind of dawned on me this morning. I thought to myself, what on earth am I going to do with myself uh, this weekend? I'm going to have to find something else to entertain myself with or to pass the time uh, with. There is some good games um, that I'm actually really looking forward to watching, actually. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Newcastle against Manchester City on Saturday. And then United against Tottenham, I think, is a fascinating game as well. So at least there's a couple of games to keep us ticking, one on each day. Um, so we're not completely um, shot of action, but this is part of the winter break thing, right, where they've split the winter break into two weeks. Some teams get this weekend off, others get next weekend off, and that is designed to try and manage the workload of the players at the moment, which we can all agree is getting a bit stupid, is getting a bit out of hand. I hear people all the time saying, well, they get paid X amount of money, so they should just shut up and put up and get on with it. And I think that is fine if if that's your opinion, but there's a part of me that thinks that the only people that are getting shortchanged um, mm. when they're they're not then able to perform at the highest level or the best players are missing is us, the, the the fans that pay to go to games or pay TV subscriptions to watch it or even uh, invest our time in watching it as well. So, yeah, um, we uh, we have a bit of a strange weekend coming up, but um, that gives us time, I think, to recover, to reflect on what's been a difficult you know couple of weeks for Arsenal fans, for Arsenal Football Club. I think the trip to Dubai is a good thing. I think it means that people get to reset. It means that we get to kind of um, just clear our heads a little bit and go again, hopefully fresh. Um, and hopefully we can take up three points um, against Crystal Palace, of course, next weekend. But what are we discussing on today's show? It's not going to be a very long episode today because there isn't really that much to talk about. But we are uh, going to discuss uh, some recent reports linking Arsenal with a La Liga striker. Now, this isn't just a link. The person that's reported this has gone as far as saying that Arsenal have officially lodged a bid. We'll get into that in a minute. We're also going to talk about another report that came from John Cross yesterday in which he claimed that Thomas Partey could return um, by the end of the month. And that is a big, big boost for the Arsenal. We'll also take some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat as well. So feel free to drop them in as we go. But before we dive into um, the contents of today's programme. I just want to say a few quick hellos. Big hello to Mario, to Afsar, to John. Uh, we've got uh, Django with us. We've got Ole, who says it's his first time here uh, in the live. Uh, welcome, my friend. Good to see you. Um, if you haven't done so already, by the way, make sure you leave a like on the video. If you're a regular here, you know what you're going to get by now. Uh, big hello to um, Alexis, to Gunnar. Um, Alexis is always um, wanting to have a go. Can you explain why we are getting an unknown striker for over £30 million? Well, first of all, he's not an unknown striker. If you think he's an unknown striker, that, to me, um, shows the limits in your football knowledge, in your European football knowledge, right? Because someone who scored as many goals as he has in La Liga this season, one of Europe's top leagues, he's not completely unknown. But second of all, are we getting him? What are you losing your mind about? Nothing's happened. The report says that Arsenal have made a bid. I can tell you categorically right now, having followed up on this this morning, that Arsenal have not made any offer for the Hetafe striker, Borja Mayoral, as has been reported by The Sun. 
According to that report, Arsenal had made a £22 million bid, which Hatafe rejected out of hand because they want around about £39 million. Now, I can tell you that this has not happened. I can't tell you whether or not Arsenal have an interest in Borja Mayoral because, you know, Arteta could like 50, 60 strikers at this moment in time. You know, I don't know. I'm not inside his head, not privy to those conversations. But there has been no official offer made by Arsenal to Hatafe for this player. He's a good player. Um, I don't think that we should seek to discredit him just because some people have never heard the name and all the rest of it. I think that's unfair. You know, look at Thierry Omri. How many of you were were massive on him before he came to Arsenal? How many of you were massive on Robert Pires, on Patrick Vieira? Um, you know, so you can't always judge a book by its cover. You shouldn't always look at a player and say, um, no, I don't want him because he's an unknown and all the rest of it. You can have your reservations and you can have your doubts, but you can bet that any football club that's about to invest tens of millions of pounds on any footballer has done their due diligence and has done um, the research as far as they can. If we have a quick look at Borja Mayoral, because I'm not ruling this out from ever happening, but I'm just, you know, I can't. You know, I don't think it's very likely, but I can't say for certain that it's never going to happen. But you look at his history, um, you look at his kind of profile at the moment. He's a 26-year-old forward who plays for Getafe in 19 La Liga appearances this season. He's got 12 goals, which is pretty good going. Um, not only that, I think the only player in La Liga this season so far to score more goals than Mayoral is Jude Bellingham. But this does kind of give me Lucas Perez 2.0 vibes, doesn't it? Um, you know, a striker that maybe people aren't totally convinced by, a striker that you know has, has done relatively well in La Liga. But, um, you know, you, you always wonder how that's going to translate across to the Premier League. And I always say that any transfer um, is a risk and any transfer has that element of risk to it. I think this one has a, an element of risk, you know, for sure. But... As I say, am I going to get my knickers in a twist about it? No, um, because we're not moving for this player. Um, you know, we haven't made that bid. Arsenal will be looking at a lot of players. They'll be looking at a lot of options. They'll constantly be looking at options. Not just in January. They'll be looking at um, they'll be looking at players from March. They'll be looking at players in June, July, August, September, October, November. It's a year-round thing. You know, you look across the continent, you spot players, players catch your attention um, and they go into your thinking and they become part of your considerations. But for me, um, this is a no-go. I, I don't even, not to be disrespectful, but I don't know the journalist or of the journalist that reported this. Um, I don't know what exactly his role is at The Sun because I've never come across him. I've seen it quoted as a Sun Sports story by some, I've seen it quoted as a um, a story from this individual person um, by some quarters as well. So I don't really know, to be honest with you, where this has come from, who it's come from, um, how reliable uh, the source is. But I can tell you in this instance, it's not reliable because Arsenal have not made this offer and are not going to sign Borja Moyarao, I don't think, um, over the course of this window. Arsenal are still very much expected to have a quiet window. Arsenal are still very much in the same position that they were in yesterday, where because of the profit and sustainability rules, they are going to have to offload in order 
to do deals or they're going to have to be incredibly creative in the structure of any deal that they do, which isn't going to go down well with most clubs who, if they're going to lose a key player in January, will probably want to replace that key player in January as well. So um, don't get your hopes up if your hopes were up. Don't get frustrated and angry if you looked at this and thought, this is not the guy for me. There isn't anything in this at this stage. So relax. Some other news, though, to discuss is a little bit more positive, and that is with regards to Arsenal's Ghanaian midfielder, Thomas Partey. I've been banging on for weeks about how much we miss this guy, about how important he is to the way that we want to play, about how maybe Mikel Arteta was wrong to bank on him, given his previous when it comes to injuries. Now, to be fair to Mikel Arteta, and I just want to bring this up, um, just to be sure that I'm I'm giving you uh, the right information here. In fact, you know what I do? I will share the screen um, with those of you uh, watching us on YouTube right now. Hold on a second. Here we go. So let's share the screen over. Um, so Thomas Partey, if I have a look back at his season last season, so all seasons, and then I'll filter it down. Bear with me a second course the internet's gone nice and slow or the the minute that i want to show you guys something so if i go back to 22 23 because the season prior his record was pretty poor right last year he managed uh, 40 games i beg your pardon 33 games in the premier league so he played 33 of our 38 in the premier league so where i've been sitting here saying that maybe it was silly of Mikel Arteta, or maybe naive of arsenal football club to have looked at thomas Partey in previous years and gone at the start of this season, or we can still rely on this guy, we can still bank on this guy. Do you think that they fell into a false sense of security because of how available he was last season in comparison to the seasons before? Do you think they looked at last season and thought, maybe he's over the worst of it? Maybe it was just an unlucky period, etc., etc. He didn't have injuries um, very often during his time at Atletico Madrid. And so, you know, We've just had a bit of rotten luck along the way, but now he seems to have come out the other side of it. Do you think that they thought, well, if Declan Rice is coming in, we can get away with even having Thomas Partey available for 20 games, um, 25 games, and that would be enough. And that's why they were happy to persist with him. Maybe that was the case. Unfortunately, up until now, we've had a, a big, big problem because if you look at what he's managed in the 23-24 season, it is literally minimal four games in the Premier League, uh, one appearance in the Community Shield. So we're more than halfway through the season and he's only appeared for Arsenal five times. So I'm not saying they were right to bank on him. I'm not saying they were right to trust in him. But do you think that what we saw last season, which, you know, and, and that's, that surprised me a little bit. I read it yesterday, but when I was thinking about it, it didn't feel to me like Thomas Partey had been available for 33 of our 38 games because it feels like we're always talking about, um, you know, his unavailability and, and how much of a problem and issue that is and why we should be looking to move on from him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's partly to do with it. But look, it's great news because it seems like Thomas Partey is well on the road to recovery with John Cross reporting yesterday that he could be back as early as the end of this month. Now, if he is, that is a massive, massive boost to Arsenal because not only is he a great player and an experienced player, and someone who's been there, done it, who's got the T-shirt, um, someone who progresses the ball in a way that we 
you know, look across the, the Premier League right now and we think is actually quite rare, um, you know, and, and that is one of the reasons that we had that edge last season against so many opponents. But it also allows us to play with the team that I kind of envisioned at the start of the season. Now, maybe I'm a bit of a dreamer and, and maybe I was silly to think that, you know, we were not going to have injury problems that would put a dent in this or, or cause us to have to swerve away from it and do things differently. But going into the season, in my head, my team was Ramsdale in goal. I didn't foresee David Raya coming in. Um, White, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko in most games, but obviously having Tomiyasu or Timber there um, would have been great. I'd have probably gone with Timber actually thinking about it over Zinchenko most of the time at left back. Then Partey is the six. Rice and Odegaard as the eights, Saka, Martinelli and Jesus. That was the team that I envisioned at the start of the season. And when we brought Kai Havertz in, people were telling me, no, he's going to play as a left eight. He's going to play as a left eight. I kept saying, maybe he is. I don't know what Mikel Arteta has in his head. Maybe part of the thinking is that he can play that role. But for me, the best way to utilise Kai Havertz would be to use him as an alternative, to use him as a second, more offensive eight in certain game states to use him as an alternative centre forward to Gabriel Jesus because he brings you something different. Eddie Nketiah scores goals, right? Eddie Nketiah, all right, maybe not as many as you'd like, but generally speaking, if you're comparing him to Kai Havertz, he scores goals. But does he bring you all the other things? Does he bring you the ability to go long and that little bit more direct, as we've done on a couple of occasions when Kai Havertz has played up front and it's worked quite well against certain opposition? i.e. you're playing against Liverpool, you know how aggressive and effective their press is. So what do you do? You want to bypass it. We did it against Man City in the Community Shield at the start of the season. We put Kai Havertz up front and at times we bypassed the midfield. That's what Kai Havertz should have been coming in to do for me. And maybe that is what he was coming in to be. But um, injuries have dictated that we've got to do things in a slightly different way. And we've had to do things in a slightly different way. Um, I would, and I mentioned this yesterday, um, in Jesus's absence, if Jesus is out for a period of time now, and I don't know that as far as the club are telling us, it seems like everything's going to be um, okay, that he's going to be back after the break. But if there were an instance where he became unavailable again and, and we were without him, I would actually play Kai Havertz up front over Eddie Nketiah. Now, I know people are going to disagree with that. I can see Azzy in the chat says, Havertz can't play up front. Stop this nonsense. Would he score less goals currently than Gabriel Jesus up front? Was Jesus got two goals up front this season? Something like that. In the Premier League, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the Champions League. I think he's done quite well in the Champions League. Let's have a quick look up at this um, and make sure that I'm not talking uh, nonsense. Gabriel Jesus, 26-year-old Brazilian striker, three goals in the Premier League, 15 appearances. If Kai Havertz had played... 15 times up front in the Premier League. Do you not think he'd have had three goals? In fact, Kai Havertz playing in midfield has got more goals than that. Now, I'm not saying that Kai Havertz is a better option up front um, than uh, Gabriel Jesus. Kai Havertz has got four goals in the Premier League, not even playing as a forward. Um, what I am trying to say is that he would give us something different. He'd give us a different option. He'd give us an alternative. An alternative that I think is probably more useful because it's different to Jesus than Eddie Nketiah is. So that allows us to then 
shuffle the pack a little bit and change it up. And another option would be to stick Kai Havertz up front, put Gabriel Jesus on the right and give Bukayo Saka the break that he so desperately needs. Or put Jesus on the left. Or, you know, it just gives you options. It gives you alternatives. It gives you um, the scope to play around with things. So I think the return of Thomas Partey, whenever that's going to be, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, could be massive. It could be a real big positive for us. It really, really could. Um, that's me in terms of the stories that I wanted to touch on today. Not a really busy day, not a particularly long episode, I know. But if you've got any questions, chuck them in the chat and I'll pick up a couple of those before we go. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't go anywhere. Okay, let's dive into the live chat box and seeing uh, what you guys are saying. Um Ole says, um, what would you say about uh, Dovbik from Girona? Um, I've only seen glimpses of this player. It's really, really difficult for me to give you um, an assessment of where I think he's at and whether I think he'd be um, suited to Arsenal Football Club. Um, a few highlights here and there. Obviously, I know uh, that he's having a really good season. Uh, Ukrainian forward. He's got 11 goals in 20 appearances. But guess what? less than Borja Mayoral, uh, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a name that I'd be interested in exploring a little bit further. Um, but you feel like because of Girona's links to Manchester City, if there are any talents that really bud there and look like they're going to make their move to the Premier League at some point, they're probably going to end up at the Etihad or at least City get first refusal uh, on a player like that. So I, I don't envision that one happening. Um, Louis says, will we sign a striker this month or do we wait until the summer? Like you said, Harry, do we just stick with what we got for now and then go massive in the summer as I'm sure goals will come for us? I'm sure goals will come for us as well. We've got too many talented attacking players for us to continue on this sort of dry patch that we're going through at this moment in time. I think we've got too many creative players, but for whatever reason, we've been without some of them. Um, and when I say creative players, right, it's not always about a 10 or a winger. Sometimes your creative player can be a left-back going into midfield, as we saw last season with Zinchenko. Sometimes your creative player can be, um, you know, uh, a number six that progresses the ball nice and early, which creates situations from which you can then go on and hurt opposition. So I think we have to widen our scope with regards to what um, constitutes a creative player. But I think the goals will come. And look, if there's an opportunity to go and get a striker that is part of the plan now, then do it. But we know that there are financial constraints on Arsenal at the moment because of what's what's been going on. We know that they need to move players on in order to, to make sure that they're OK on that side of things. So if you're going to end up cheaping out and buying a striker for half the money that you really need to get someone of the highest calibre um, just to do it in January, then I don't think that's the right move. I think you should wait until the summer. Now, when we probably don't win the Premier League and Manchester City do, then everybody's going to go, oh, well, if we signed a striker in January, we would have won it. That's the kind of revisionism that unfortunately, whatever happens at the end of the season, we're going to have to deal with. But no, I wouldn't cheap out and just try and do anything for the sake of doing business right now. Uh, John Daly says, would you rather sell and get a better price uh, for fringe players now and be sure or keep them for the rest of the season, but get less money in the summer? I don't think you would get um, less money in the summer for the likes of Enketia, Nelson, Smith Rowe. You probably put in this category as well at the moment, as much as it pains me to say it. 
Um, but look, if you can't replace and we're already short, then what good is it um, letting these players go now? If you're going to get an extra five million for Eddie and Ketia, for example, in the summer, but it means that you're going to be short of a striker for the business end of the season, is that five million pound um, worth it? Or do you just swallow that potential loss? I think you just swallow it, to be honest. Um, Gunner329 says, do you think we'll continue the fast-paced build-up, fast-paced build-up, I beg your pardon, like we did against Liverpool in the FA Cup, or will we go back to the methodical style? I think Arsenal's build-up against Liverpool was better in that we were moving the ball from defence to attack a lot quicker. Now, that was two reasons. Number one, Jorginho's passing was far more progressive than what we've seen Um when Rice plays in the six, not because he's a better player than Rice, but because Rice does it in a different way. He likes to get on the ball, likes to take a few touches, he likes to carry it. And he's a good protector of the ball, Declan Rice. But is he that much of a progressor? No, I'd argue he's more of a carrier. Um, so that played a big part in why we were able to move through the lines quicker. The second thing is that Liverpool were really open and Liverpool had come there to attack us. Now, it's not often that teams come to the Emirates Stadium and play in that way. Most of the time, we're going to face low blocks and we're going to be forced into playing that slower, more methodical way rather than it being part of the game plan. I'd like to see um, us be a bit more forward thinking and, and work the ball forward quicker. I also think a point that I forgot to mention there was that Kai Havertz gave us the ability to go from the goalkeeper straight up to the centre forward with that long ball. You play those balls up to Gabriel Jesus, he'll try, he'll battle, he'll work hard. Same with Eddie Nketiah. But the fact that they rarely have a height advantage over a centre-half, if ever at all, um, has a big impact there as well. So, yeah, um, that's what I would say on that. Um, let me take one more uh, before we say goodbye. Remember, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. It really does help. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review. Going to take one final question after this. OK, uh, where is it? Here's one from Halo who says there have been um, several articles written over the last couple of days regarding Arsenal's interest in Martin Zubimendi. He's a quality player, but is there another number six solution moving forward? I've heard people talk about Fofana at Monaco quite a bit. Again, I'd need to look into him um, a little bit more. Um, again, I'd need to... Um, you know, I'd, I'd need to do a little bit more research on him. Zubimendi is someone that Arsenal have liked for a while. And when I when I hear that Arsenal have been interested in a player for a while, that makes me more confident in the suitability of the signing because it makes me think they've done the initial research. They've then continued watching him and nothing's changed. They still believe that he's the right man and the right fit. Um, so I'm quite confident that Zubimendi would be a hit at Arsenal. Um, but, you know it's going to be difficult to get him because Real Sociedad are doing well at the moment. They're in the Champions League still. Um, I think they've got Paris Saint-Germain, which is going to be a fascinating tie. It's his club. It's a place where he feels at home, where he feels really loyal. And often you need to, you know, do a lot to prize these types of players away, whether that be financially or convince them of the sporting project. I think everybody can see that the sporting project that Arsenal is right at the moment. So that shouldn't be a problem. Finances shouldn't be an issue come the summer, um, particularly if we're able to move on some of these um, some of these players and all the rest of it. Um, I, I don't know who the alternative would be, to be honest with you, um, because 
when I think about what Zubimendi has, it's not just the defensive nous and the, the ability to put yourself in the right positions to break up counterattacks, intercept the ball, etc. It's the ability to, to progress the ball too. There's loads of good defensive midfielders, but there isn't that many good defensive midfielders that then become really important ball progressors in your team as well. And that's why Thomas Partey is so unique. And that's why being without him is such a big problem for us and has been a big problem for us. You know what? I'm going to take a couple more because there's a couple of really good questions. Mark says, do you think Arteta should allow Saka and Martinelli to swap wings during games? It's something that other teams do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against that. Um, I, I'm not against that. I think it would help in sort of us opening teams up if we could sometimes go down the outside of, of defenders, get to the byline a little bit easier, maybe. But when you get to the byline on the outside of someone, what do you do? You cross. That's that's why you create those scenarios, right? You, you get to the byline, you're either going to cut back or you're going to cross. Now, the crossing option with Gabriel Jesus isn't really there for me because if you've got three big centre-halves in the centre of the penalty area, what chance does he have of, of rising above them and heading home? If you've got Kai Havertz up front, it's a little bit different. If you've got two players up front that can occupy the three centre-halves, I think it's a little bit different as well. So um, I'm not against it, and I think a little bit of variation to our game wouldn't go amiss. Uh, but I don't know that it would be the magic solution, if, if that makes sense. Um, final comment, uh, Wayne Francis said, Harry, I was watching a Lee Gunner stream yesterday um, and he said, uh, big up Harry Simeon. I don't know what you've done to get in his good books. He was obviously slagging off what I said as well. Um, I'm sure he was. I haven't seen it, but if he was talking about me, he must have been slagging something I said off. Um, but yeah, that he's entitled to his opinion. I'm entitled to mine. Our opinions differ, obviously. Um, he does what he does. I do what I do. I haven't, I'm not, there was a time where I used to get wound up by stuff like that. And now I just like, whatever. I don't, I honestly don't care. Um, I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing. Um, we've got different views. We've got different opinions. All I will say is this, is that I didn't see uh, many of these, uh, types of less call out Arsenal fan shows when Arsenal were, um, doing really well last season. And they've only just started to to creep up again now that Arsenal are going through a bit of a difficult period, a bit of a sticky period. They're opportunistic, if you ask me, um, is something that some Arsenal fans seem to thrive on. I hate it. I hate when we're going through these periods. It, it hurts. It upsets me. It makes my job not enjoyable. Um, it, it puts me in a bad mood. Other people look to cash in on it and, and that's their prerogative. They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to judge anyone on that. Um, I don't have any personal issues with anyone. Let him say what he wants to say. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we've we've spoken in the past and and I've been on good terms with him in the past and nothing's happened since to change that. So no issue for me. Um, no issue for me whatsoever. Um, my opinions are out there. If people want to question them and challenge them, they're, they're more than uh, entitled to do so. Anyway, um, I'm going to catch you all uh, tomorrow. I'm going to be joined by Max Jones. Uh, commentator at the Arsenal. He'll be joining me on the podcast tomorrow morning um, and we'll be discussing Arsenal's current situation, whatever news surfaces between now and then. And um, we'll be getting his take on what's gone wrong in the last few weeks and how we can put that right. No point in crying over spilt milk now. It's about figuring out how we can fix it. I'll catch you all then. Until the next one, take care and goodbye. Mm -hmm.